0: The Youth Ministry in Motion podcast, the show designed to keep youth workers motivated
1: and youth ministries moving forward. Now, here's your host,
0: blogger, speaker, and lover of nerd stuff, Paul Turner.
1: What is happening, youth workers? What is going on with your day today? I'm having a phenomenal day. Just had a great interview, which I'm about to tell you about here in just a second. But uh, I am preparing to go off to Nashville and uh, hang out with my daughter who lives up there, which is going to be fun. And by the way, in a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to be at the National Youth Workers Conference in Memphis. And so if you are going to be in Memphis for the National Youth Worker Conference sponsored by Youth Specialties, uh, I would love to connect with you. So just send me and send me, drop me an email. If you want at the dprojectme.com, uh, hit me up. Would love to grab coffee or something. Uh, also, um, if you are on Twitter, you can find me at Paul Turner Two. That's T O O, uh, because there's a number of Paul Turners on there, and I am also one of them, so that's why I chose that. But today, guys, uh, I'm super excited about uh, the interview that I just had with uh, author Jeff Goins. You know, Jeff Goins, if you're not familiar with Jeff Goins' work, he is a blogger and a writer and an author. And uh, I tell you what, his books have just rocked my face off. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that, man, he's got some youth ministry chops. He's been uh, in the mix, guys. And I, I was super excited to hear about all that. And Jeff and I jump into uh, just a lot of different things. We talk about, yes, you becoming an artist, and you are an artist, uh, but we also talk about calling, we talk about life, we talk about ministry, we talk about mentoring, and there's so much good things in there, guys. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into it. Join me now in the conversation with Jeff Coins. All right, youth workers, thanks for gathering around the campfire here. Where we're about to tell some fantastic stories of what it means to be an artist. And uh, my guest today is author and speaker and uh, all kinds of other things, Jeff Goines. Thank you for joining the Youth Ministry
0: in Motion podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. Glad to be here.
1: Uh, So, Jeff, tell me, and feel free to just introduce yourself uh, to the audience here, because I, uh, you know, as in uh, uh, Ghostbusters here, we're kind of crossing the streams here, maybe, because... Uh, You do quite a number of business podcasts, entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. podcasts. You have your own podcast. uh, uh, And uh, it is phenomenal, by the way. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, And so tell the audience, give us a little, uh, uh, you know, brief background. And, you know, you're talking mostly to youth workers today. I don't know if that scares you or not. Um, it scares me every week, but uh, but in talking, give, feel free to give any background you have, maybe with working with teenagers or anything like that, because I'm sure our audience uh, would love to uh, to hear about that.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I'm not intimidated to talk to youth workers. I am intimidated to talk to youth, you know, youths, uh, young young adults, the uh, teenagers, whatever, you know, whatever we call them today. I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think we call them teens anymore. I think that's like not a, a thing to say um yeah so uh i am a full-time writer and i teach online courses for writers and write books so it's basically what i do i speak consult coach run events but all of it basically breaks into two different groups where i write books and then i do uh, i teach other writers and creatives how to succeed with their craft um and I've been doing this for about six years. Before I did this, I worked for a, um, a ministry. I worked for a Christian nonprofit mission organization, and we worked with um, uh, lots of youth groups, churches, uh, and, and some people on short-term and longer-term mission trips. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm um, – Quite familiar with the youth ministry world, and something that um, I may have like never talked about before. And this may be of interest to you, Paul, it may not be of interest to anybody else. But I know you've listened to some other interviews. Uh, I, I I was a part of a coaching program years ago um, that was basically the catalyst for my essentially leaving ministry to uh, pursue what I felt God was calling me to do in, in the next season of life, which was right. And that coaching program was a, was called the Youth Ministry Coaching Program, and it was run by a guy named Marco Stryker, who was the um, former uh, director of uh, youth specialties and has become a good friend of mine and was, in fact, um, my first agent and worked with me on the first couple of books. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I like the youth ministry world. I've got some connections uh, in that world. Do you know what Interlink is, Paul? Do you know what that um, is?
1: You know, Je- <clears throat> I do, Jeff, because I have written for them for the past 15 oh, cool. years.
0: So. so my first job uh, in Nashville was selling youth leaders only. Is that yeah, a it was called? While only, yeah. Um, I did that for like seven months, uh, and I was in the, in the customer service call center. That was my first job uh, here in Nashville was working at Interlink, calling youth pastors, uh, trying them to subscribe or re-up their subscription to Wilo. Wow. That,
1: <laughs> that, so yeah,
0: I get I get the youth ministry world have a little bit. The strings, <laughs> my
1: friend. We are far more connected than, than I yeah. thought we were because yeah, because I've I've written Bible studies for them for many many yeah. years now and and uh, that is a small call center room by the way, especially when you were you were there on the farm as we called it.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, so you've been there.
1: Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, in uh, uh, leapers' fork, I believe it is. yep and uh, and so uh, yeah, that's a, you so you do you have you have certainly you have deep chops here in the youth ministry world as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. you can talk about anything. And uh, I know these youth workers, uh, you know your book, uh, Real Artists don't Starve, I have to say, is um, is a book that every youth worker should read and I and I'm sorry that 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 I wish this book had come out ten years ago. And I wish I had written, read your book, The Art of Work, uh, ten years ago, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm, I'm, you know, in the season of life you talked about, right? I'm in that season where change may be in the air, uh, and and mm-hmm. really, uh, real artists uh, don't starve is just rocking my face off, and I guess you can tell that because I, I've done a bunch of blog posts about it. I've done. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, done some YouTube videos about it and uh, was on your launch team for it and so um it's made for me it's made just major impacts it is just it is really set me free in a lot of ways uh, that I didn't know I could be or uh, or should be and rethinking the whole thing so I would then ask you then for these youth workers here that we're talking to because I know there are there i I believe at least and it, do, you, do you believe that um you know, you're, you know, we, we don't, we as youth workers don't see ourselves as artists many times. And I know in your, in your premise there that, you know, that, you know, real artists aren't born right They're They, they literally are, are compelled to become artists. Right. So mm-hmm. tell us, tell me a little bit about them. Do you think in that regard there, how, how can youth workers go about maybe start rethinking, you know that they they don't have they a lot of here a lot of people say they're not creative they're you know and you hear this probably not just in in youth worker world right but in all kinds of worlds I'm not creative I'm all those things uh, what could you tell youth workers right now to get them on track to start maybe shifting mindsets to say you know what maybe maybe what I do is art maybe what I am doing is is artistic or creative in some way
0: yeah well i mean i think you're creative because you're created Right, and you're made in the image of a creative God, and and so just because you're imbued with His nature, you have some natural innate creativity, and, and obviously we see that in the biblical narrative uh, throughout the you know Old and New Testament. Um, uh, God uses His people to uh, continue to create things, you know, from uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, naming the animals, you know, and even like tending to the garden to um, uh, Moses, you know, coming down uh, the mountaintop with the, you know, the tablets. Like we're co creators with God. And I, I think uh, whether or not you think of yourself as creative with a capital C or an art or like an artist with a capital A, I think we are all artists in the sense that we have creative gifts to share. With the world, and whether or not we share them is up to us. I do think you can squander your gift. I do think you can um, not use your creative uh, efforts to their fullest potential, and and as a result, I think that your community, your church, even the kingdom of God uh, suffers, and and you miss out on on the joy of um, kind of participating uh, with God in His. Uh, redemptive move to make all things new, which is a creative act.
1: Well, absolutely. What What would you say then to the, the youth worker? He's sitting in his office right now, maybe, or uh, listening to this on his computer or he's uh, driving this car. And, you know, he hasn't really, he hasn't, um, he understands that from maybe a theological point of view. He says, yeah, that's true. I get that. What would you say then are some first steps then maybe for a youth worker to say, look, I need to I need to start acting upon. It. I don't want to waste uh, the talent, so to speak. Right. The the, the, mm-hmm. the you know, the, the talents I've been given, the things that I've been given, I've I've been given certain gifts and abilities and, and things like that. How would you encourage a youth worker to to step out of the mindset, which is, you know, so hard to break sometimes of that we're just grinding away and and every, you know, all these things, just some steps maybe to to at least get people out of the box that they're in and say, here's some things I might want to think about to get going.
0: Sure. Well, first of all, um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for uh, youth workers uh, because, um, like, teenagers uh, intimidate me and, and and sort of middle schoolers as well. Most mostly because, um, like, my voice cracks more than theirs, and, and they can usually beat me up. Um, it, I mean, it's just like it's such a tough crowd, right? Well, and do, uh, maybe the person listening is goes, "Ah, oh, no, like it's it's totally easy." But man, it like. Uh, your job is hard, and so you have to be creative. You have to find new ways to connect uh, with the kids and youth in your community. Um, uh, just because you know, like uh, it's it's a it's a hard age. There's a lot of jadedness, and so you've got to find unique and creative ways to uh, just. Break through and stay in relationship um, uh, with these young people that you're trying to minister to. Uh, so, I mean, I think the first step to becoming an artist is to think of yourself as an artist. Uh, I, I have begun to dismantle my beliefs about giftedness and calling over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do think, you know, that. We are all called uh, to do something, and we are all gifted to uh, live out, uh, you know, God's plan for us. But I think, uh, for maybe most of us, that the gifting is not some like innate, inborn talent as much as it is. God is calling you to do great things and he has created you. Like the human body and brain is this incredible thing. And whether or not you respond to that calling uh, is up to you. And, you know, and I look at scripture and I look at like Moses, you know, uh, who, yeah, um, and Jesus and all the prophets. And, and I look at uh, these people who were called and then equipped, right? And, and we know this, right? Like um, uh, uh, God doesn't call the equipped. Uh, he equips the call, But I think when it comes to actually moving forward in, you know, for example, with you, Paul, you know, in, in the next season of life, we're trying to find out what's next for you. We often wait, we wait for clarity before we're willing to act. And, and I think clarity tends to come with action. And so, you know, if we're thinking about being more creative, thinking like an artist, uh, I, I do start the book out uh, with kind of the bold proclamation that you you aren't born an artist, you become one, meaning it's a choice. And uh, yeah, I won't get into all the science behind it, but it's fascinating um, how malleable the human brain is. And so if you feel uh, God prompting you to do something, your next response is to do it. Uh, to actually commit to it and to practice and to try to do it well. And, and I think my favorite story of this is the story of David, who, uh, you know, as a teenager is basically anointed, uh, meaning he's going to be the next king of Israel. And then nothing really changes for several chapters in, in what is it, First Samuel. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he goes back to the field and starts, you know, continuing to tend to his flocks. But he is different. His mindset is different. And we know this because in the next scene, uh, he faces Goliath and he kills Goliath. And he says, I fought the bear. I fought the lion. You're just another beast that I have to take care of. And so what we can assume happens in between uh, his being anointed uh, by the prophet Samuel and killing Goliath is he was practicing. He took that calling seriously. And I think the same thing is true with this idea of being an artist. Uh, It's one thing to intellectually go, oh yeah, I'm creative because God's creative and I'm creating his image, yada, yada, yada. It's another thing to go, okay, so that means I have a responsibility to become the best artist, and I use that in air quotes, uh, that I can be. Uh, meaning, I'm going to to look at my ministry, look at my vocation, uh, look at my work as a form of art. And art is only art when it's something creative uh, that's shared with the world, and, and it changes or transforms something. Like that's the goal of art is to change someone or something. And so, thinking of what you do as art, uh, I think is the first step. Um, uh, I. I, I think of it kind of in these three different steps. First, you have to believe that you are this thing. You are an artist. Second, you have to behave as if it's already true in spite of our lack of experience or whatever. And then ultimately you become that. And I think David's story is a great example of that. Uh, Samuel says, hey, you're going to be king. He believes it. He takes it seriously. So what does he do? I, I imagine he's out in the field uh, practicing, Because he understands that if I'm going to be king, what do kings do? They lead their soldiers in battle. Like they're, they're up front, right? right. And so he, he understands, well, I'm a shepherd right now. I have to learn how to fight and I'm going to use my surroundings to get better at battle and then ultimately eventually he becomes it right he becomes the king and so i think the way you become something that god's calling you to be is you begin thinking and then acting as if it's already true and then ultimately it does come true
1: well absolutely that's that's such a great point i think the the phrase there you know clarity comes with action and the fact that that youth workers have to uh, like myself have to be able to put it out there and say look it, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I have to no matter the context I'm in here, I know I'm working with a bunch of teenagers. Uh, but uh, you know but I need to act on those things. And I think you know there's so many youth workers who you know are are supplementing their income by, you know, they're driving Ubers and Lyft and, and mm. you know, painting mm-hmm. houses, and, and which, you know, can be an art form in itself. Sure. Uh, and there's so many youth workers who have these abilities to be able to put out there. I mean, I, and I in the videos I do, in the blog posts, things like that, I mean, look, I'm, leading games is an art form, I think. I mean, the older mm, I get, totally. yeah. less, the less I like them necessarily, but I mean, <laughs> I like playing them. I don't know if I just like leading them as much. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that's, a, that's an art form in itself. And so I, that's such a great point, Jeff. That you do have to start. And if you're sitting, by the way, if you're just sitting in your office, youth workers, listen to me. I don't know what, what it is you're thinking about right now, but you know you have, you know, this desire to to, to you know whether it's you have platforms to use, Instagram and. And, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, all those kind of things. Uh, And, uh, you know, I want to encourage youth workers, you know, put it out there. Just put it out there. Whatever it is you're trying to do, be, you know, take that move that Jeff says, you know, and that clarity, you know, comes with that action. So, Jeff, if I could then go to this, I I love the, um, you know, this quote from the book here. It says, sometimes in life, the script we're given no longer fits the story we want to live. We realized the rules we were following were assigned by someone who did not have best in, our best interest in mind, and now we must do something about it. Can you give, me, uh, give our audience an example of this? Because I know you know, youth workers are, are you know, at best, you know, middle management uh, for a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, right. we're just plugging along. And a lot of times we're handed uh, a script that says, here's how church goes. Here's the here's the rules to this, and uh, and I, it happened for me, you know, where you just sort of you have a wake up moment. You go, you know, the script I was handed doesn't quite fit what I feel like God's calling me to do. Maybe you can offer, uh, you know, uh, some ideas on how youth workers, even from a from a middle management point of view, can say, look, I I got this. I'm having this wake up moment in the midst of my career, or maybe. I'm a young youth worker and you know I just got into this church and <clears throat> I don't know how many times you know me as a young youth worker go I didn't think this is what it, what I signed up for. <laughs> I didn't think I thought you know we we're all very idealistic, right? We all thought, well this is the way it's supposed to go and everybody's supposed to love each other and care for one another and isn't that great? And then you know uh, the first you know punch in the mouth comes and you're like, what is this? This is not it's not what's supposed to be happening. So mm-hmm. maybe you could give some ideas then to those who are having those that that wake up moment they've realized that the script that's been handed them, how they're doing youth work or how they're even living their lives and their careers. And, and, you know, I mean, we all have lives outside of our jobs. I mean, youth ministry being a job and a calling, uh, you know, they're trying to say, I'm in this thing. How do I, how do I then go and say, okay, the script I was handed is not what I'm feeling anymore. How do I, how can I start to live into my deepest stuff? Yeah.
0: So uh, I love that question. and I mean, I would begin by saying this, um, your ministry is not your calling. And that may sound like a challenging thought to uh, a lot of people listening to this. I I don't know. Um, But I think it's very, very important to understand that your ministry is a, hopefully, Uh, And by that, I mean the way in which you are serving the church or, you know, whatever you feel, um, whatever you're vocationally doing to, um, uh, you know, minister to people in your community, uh, like that is an extension of your calling. It is not the entirety of it. And I think, you know, speaking as somebody who came out of ministry and, and had a lot of baggage just with that, like trying to like figure out, is this, is this bad? Am I running away? Am I chasing money? Like, what am I, like, what's going on here? And just wrestling with that. And also knowing so many, uh, youth workers, um, who, uh, you know, that their, their ministry kind of becomes their life because they, they equate ministry and calling as synonymous. And I don't think they are. I think your ministry comes from your calling. Your calling is your life's mission. It is your purpose. It is what you were put on earth to do. And over time and throughout different seasons of life, that calling, I think at least our understanding of it, evolves. Uh, And it doesn't mean that like God changed his mind, but like most things that uh, uh, like God has told human beings to do, we haven't completely understood right at the outset, right? (laughs) Correct, correct. I mean, everything from the law to the coming of Christ to, oh, gosh, like, look 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 at this part here, you know, this thing in Galatians that says, um, you know, it's not uh, by works that we're saved. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and so we're constantly um, kind of chewing on things that God has told us and better understanding them. And I think your calling is that way, too. I don't think it changes, but I do think... Uh, it evolves, or at least your understanding of it evolves. And um, if that's true, then that means that there may be a season of life where you realize, hey, this script, this story, this idea that I was given in seminary or, you know, in my first youth ministry job or, you know, from my pastors, my first mentor, uh, this worked for a season, but this isn't like I'm just – I just don't feel like this is who I really am right now. And I um, – like, like everything I understand about that, I, I borrow from a guy named Thomas Merton who's a Trappist monk and a, a, a wonderfully poetic writer. And um, he talks about the true self and the false self. And basically the false self is the image that you project, that everybody goes, you're so good at that. You're so funny. You're so great with kids. And inside, something's missing. You know you're you're performing, uh, but it's not who you really are. And at a certain point in life, sometimes the role that we're fi- we're fulfilling and like the deep needs of our soul begin to move away from each other. And when this happens, you are becoming disintegrated, which literally means you're being pulled apart, right? Right. And this is this is a painful place to be. And I think. In ministry, we don't necessarily know how to talk about this because it's like, depending on on kind of the, the the context or the you know community that you're in in terms of church or whatever, um, like it, it's not always a safe place to go. Like I I don't think this is what God wants from me right now. What do you mean? He called you to do this, didn't you? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And so there's a lot of shame and stuff. And I remember talking to a, a mentor and a friend of mine, a guy named Michael Hyatt, uh, early on in this experience of. Uh, basically spending about six years in ministry going, like, is this, is this really, a, like, should, am I really going to quit this to go become a writer and start a business? Like, it's the op- like it's the opposite, you know, <laughs> vocational change that happens where somebody, like, quits their six-figure job to go into ministry. I was doing the opposite of leaving ministry to go pursue what has become a lucrative career. Right. And I remember talking to uh, Mike and saying, I'm really afraid about this. I'm, I feel conflicted about this and I'm worried that doing this might, like, I, I'm just, I'm worried that I'll, I'll be leaving ministry and that scares me because I, I, I love ministry and I want to feel like I am being as faithful to God as I possibly can be. And he looked at me and he said, Jeff, it's all ministry, all of it. And I really took that to heart. Yeah, and, and there were a number of things that led me to, to make that change. Um, One of which was that conversation. The other uh, was another conversation with a mentor where I said, Hey, like, do I do this? Do I not do this? Is this greedy, you know, to leave ministry, to go into business? Like, what, I really feel like this is where I'm being led, but I don't, I don't know, you know, and I was concerned about how it would look to other people too. And um that you're forsaking, Jeff,
1: that you're forsaking the call, right? That you're like you're just bailing yeah, and yeah.
0: And, and I mean, to, like to be totally transparent, like what people think about me is is something that I think about. You know, it's it's a concern of mine. Sure. And 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 especially in ministry, I didn't want people to think like, yeah, I was running away from what I was called to do because I could make a bigger paycheck doing something else. And I didn't want to appear to be flaky or anything like that. I was I've always prided myself in on like um, honoring my commitments. And and so when I was talking to this uh, friend of mine who is a mentor uh, twice my age, he said, Jeff, what's <laughs> happened to you is rare. And you need to consider the possibility that not doing this might actually be an act of disobedience to God, that this might be your calling. And I had like not considered that at all, you know, that 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 all like the fact that I was I had grown a blog in a short amount of time to a large audience and. Um, I had more than replaced my income and my wife's income, uh, making it possible for her to stay home with our child, which had just been born, which is always a dream of ours and providing some financial stability for me to leave my job as well. Uh, and like all these things happen fairly quickly over the course of about two years. Um, but it was, it, it felt kind of sudden and I, not until that conversation had considered the fact that, like these are potentially signs that God is calling me uh, into this. And so, you know, all that to say, um, I call this the rule of recreation. And the idea is this, that yes, you're called to be creative, but um, you're always recreating uh, yourself throughout life, reimagining who you really are and who you want to and maybe should be. And if we aren't, Constantly going through that churning process of going, wait, is this really me? Is this who I am? Is this what I ultimately want out of life? Um, then, then it's worth reconsideration. Now, I'm a big fan of not, you know, uh, burning bridges behind you. Right. So when I left my job, um, I approached my boss with fear and trembling and said, and like to be clear, I didn't have like I wasn't like breaking a contract or anything. I was just saying, hey, I, you know, I, I think it's time for me to move on. And, and I felt indebted to him because he had mentored me for so long. <clears throat> and um, I said, the only thing that's keeping me from doing this is the thought that I might disappoint you. And so I don't want to do this without your blessing. And I had a very healthy relationship with my boss. If it weren't that, I don't know that I would have put that on the table. Right. And he said, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm proud of you. And he says, frankly, I saw this coming. Um He said, I I think it's time for you to move on. You've outgrown us. You need to go do your own thing. And he says, of course, I give you my blessing. And he prayed for me and and we're friends to this day and we stay in touch. And and then my leaving that organization was a three-month process of me uh, kind of – recording everything that I did, documenting everything, finding a replacement, handing that off. And then I even had a six month retainer with them where I just like would check in once a month just to see how things were going. And, and I think this is the way big change happens for most of us, which is to say slowly. Uh, I think of this as the baby step strategy. And, and it's simply going, OK, if I have a vision for what I want my life to be like, Two years from now, I want to, you know, uh, become a full time Uber driver or I want to do ministry, but I want to do it like this, not like that. I don't like the story that I'm living right now. The question then is okay, get an idea of what that looks like, but then zoom out and uh, focus on today and tomorrow. And what is one small thing that you can do every day for the next year or two to begin creating momentum that? Uh, ultimately gets you to where you want to go, and that's as as un uh, what, sexy. Can I say sexy in a youth ministry podcast? Uh, you know, as unappealing as that is, like that's the way change happens for most of us,
1: right? And I think so. So good, Jeff, because for years for me, man, I romanticized the call. I did. I thought it was. Uh, and, I, and you know, I remember my my. I think it was my second youth pastor. He left youth ministry to go clean pools. And I said, "What are you doing?" <laughs> what are you doing? You left right. youth, you left youth ministry and I was mad. And I'm oh, like wow. I was mad at him. I was like, "You left youth ministry to go clean pools. Right. Like, what is wrong with you? It's yeah. like forever, dude. Like, it's like it's yeah, like you're supposed right. to do this forever, like till Jesus comes." And, uh, <laughs> and I was so mad at him. And but you know what? He's still cleaning pools today he's still a he grew his business right he he's he's doing great and i did and i had eventually had to go back and apologize to him i had to go back and say because i was, that's when i started feeling the inklings of my own life and saying you know i made a, you know i made a for me i you know when you're young and you hear that call you say well, it's a lifetime commitment i'm making a lifetime commitment to this thing and you know what now that i'm about to turn 50 it feels like I've lived three lifetimes to this commitment, and so I think the Lord is is introducing me and saying, listen, um, Paul, remember that lifetime commitment you made? Yeah, that wasn't for me, by the way. You you made right. that commitment, which, by the way, thanks. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe we ought to do something new. Let's try something this And, and something I picked up on what you said, too, is really our jobs – our, our ministries, our, our jobs are just vessels. They're, they're the places that's where right. we discover our callings, right? They're, they're just the containers that we sit in. And, and while we do our job, I love what uh, Casey Neistat once said. He says, mm-hmm. listen, if you really know what you're supposed to do, he says, go get some crap job washing dishes somewhere. And then whatever you're, whatever you're thinking about and dreaming about other than dishes, that's what you're supposed to go do. You know, mm-hmm. whatever, you're, whatever you're sitting around thinking about while you're working this crap job is maybe the direction you ought to take things. And, and at least in you know my life now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have a great job. I just want to point that out, by the way, anybody from my church listening to this podcast, I love my job. <laughs> it's a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say that. But I also sense and feel that, um, you know, at least for this point, and it doesn't matter whether you've done it 28 years like me or whether you have whether you're you're in your fifth year of youth ministry or your tenth year, you know, don't like Jeff says, don't, don't go beyond and say, listen to, you know, and it's so important too, Jeff, that you had mentors in your life that you could communicate with. And I so desire that if a pastor should ever listen to this, please, oh God, pastor, please help <laughs> your youth pastor. Please help them. They are so desperately looking for next steps. They're they're they are looking to you. Pastors and saying, "Help me figure this out. Let's let's put the work aside for just a minute and just care for me because I'm on a journey too, right? It's right. not just about the church. It's about where I'm living and and I and I I've had some of those and you know not some of those uh, in my life and the ones that were good at it were really good and the ones that were bad were really bad at it." And, uh, and mm-hmm. so I would encourage you to listen to, some, listen to your pastors. If they're willing to invest in you, just ask and say, Hey, where do you think I'm at? Where do you think my gifts and callings are leaning and things like that? And I just, I think that's so important, Jeff, that, that you, you know, you bring that up that, you know, that you're sitting around going, maybe I should leave this. And I, I know people are thinking, well, leave youth ministry. Oh my gosh, what in the world would you want to do that for? And I know I'm going to hear that the day I leave. Mm-hmm. Paul, why would you, why would you do that? Why would you go and do something else? You're, you're, you, know, you hear things like you're so good at it or um, right. you've done this your whole life. Uh, yep. you know, why would you want to do that? And I, I, I got to say, Jeff, it scares me to death. Mm. I, I, that day will come for me someday. And I will say and I'm taking deep breaths and you know, having <laughs> little uh, mini anxiety attacks. And, um, and I say, OK, well, who, who am I going to be then without right. this? I don't know if you've ever yeah. had those thoughts, right? Where, where, who am I going to be if I'm not because we identify so much with our jobs or our callings or our our stuff? And um, but in reading your book, though, I, I it totally opens the doors that once you say things like "I'm an artist" or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know that I'm going to start working into my into the things that I'm dreaming about and the things that you know you're practicing right now in your youth ministry, you're you're doing things that um that eventually could become you know what what becomes your full time thing or becomes you know you know maybe you're a great communicator or a great writer or a great uh you know uh whatever it may be videographer you know shooting video and you may say i could, I could do that for a living and um and so if I were to play if I were to put you into a scenario here and you are the youth pastor whisperer okay you're <laughs> I'm gonna. Now I know you said you don't like to get in front of teenagers, but but I think this is important too because what I'm trying to live out, exemplify at least in front of my students. I'm trying to be as raw as possible. I am probably the least pretentious person. I, I just don't care. I'm just like, listen. I, I only have so much time on the planet, and I'm trying to show you guys what it looks like to turn 50, be a youth worker, accept your callings, fail a lot. I'm, I'm trying to live all this out. I started. You know, broadcasting our youth meetings, you know, I got 15, I got 20, 15 to 20 students, and I started Facebooking live our youth meetings from beginning to end, because so many times you see, you know, ministries only put clips of the best stuff. And I'm like, look, I want you to see everything, the crappy announcements, the game that doesn't work, the, I just want you to see some rawness. And I, I, how can youth workers – if you're the youth pastor whisperer and you're almost like the movie Roxanne where you know, Steve Martin is is, you know, is the whisperer trying to give this guy advice uh, <laughs> on to get the girl. If you're standing behind this youth worker and you're whispering and you're saying, listen, I want you to help these kids, these students become artists. I, I want you to not only become the artist yourself, right? I want you to help these kids embrace – because so many kids, students don't think – their art is good enough. How can we start breaking those cycles early, right, when, when they don't feel like they're confident enough to put the stuff out there where, 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 where they're um, – you know where they are allowing the populace to decide whether their work is good or not, which in some cases it's true. But, but, um, but at least to get to the point where they can put it out there. With some some confidence. So if you're inspiring, if you're whispering to the youth pastor, you're behind them. You're he has a mic in his ear, and you're you're coaching him a little bit. You're saying, "Here's how you're going to get kids to start believing that their art, whatever they're at, can start putting out into the world."
0: I mean, I think the best way for me to answer this question is not as a youth worker whisperer, uh, but as a parent. Yeah, you know, parent of a five, almost six year old boy, and a almost two year old girl. Um, and I, I think what I would want uh, from, you know, their eventual youth pastor is uh, for them to affirm uh, the the gifts and abilities that they see in my children um, uh, that they're motivated to pursue. You know, I, I'm not one of those parents where like I – want my kid playing soccer because he, you know, uh, like, cause he needs, cause, cause dad, you know, never, you know, got to pro soccer or whatever, but I want him to play soccer and do well because he loves it. And, and I want him to, and I know the better he does it, the more he's going to, uh, enjoy it. But I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it. I, I, I think what we, what art does is it breaks the rules, Right. And, and I think we don't really know what to do with art and creativity in the church. We we want to do something with it. But but churches um, kind of by necessity are institutions that have rules. And to be clear, all institutions have yeah, rules. Yeah. And you can say, well, it's, it's relationship, not religion. Sure. But there are rules, even if they're not explicit in your church, things you can do and things that you can't do or, or are maybe frowned upon. And I think um, uh, at least, you know, in the context of, of, you know, young people, the church needs to be a place where you can explore things that feel unsafe, like we're breaking the rules a little bit um, just to kind of see what happens. And I think you could do that in safe, responsible, non-heretical ways. Yes. Um, but I see that. I see that in my kids right now. Like they're doing stuff to test the boundaries and one of the lessons that I want my kids to grow up with that I didn't grow up with and had to learn later in life is that almost everything is negotiable. Uh, all from the, your salary to what you do with your life to even your own physical and mental abilities, everything is flexible and fluid. And God has given you a tremendous opportunity by simply letting you be born, you know, and, and be a human being. Not to mention in this incredible era of history where things are better than they've ever been before. I know some people are doom and gloom. But things are better than they've ever been uh, before. Remember polio? Exactly. You know. So um, I, I, that's what I want from somebody who's going to guide my kids. I don't want them thrusting a bunch of uh, rules on them, religious or not. Uh, Obviously, I want to guide them, but I want them to guide them towards the things that they – the gifts and abilities that they recognize in my children and call those out and encourage those. Because when you're a kid and you're good at something, you don't know until somebody tells you. You really don't. You don't know until somebody says, wow, you're amazing at this. Uh, And the last thing I I would want, because this is how we raise our kids, is I would like them to praise the effort, not just the outcome. I think we're really bad at this in our culture. Uh, Carol Dweck talks about this in her book, Mindset, which I think is a must-read for any parent or person who works with children, period. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's that's what I want. I don't want you to be limiting my kids' potential by telling them what is or is not possible, because... Because something happened to you that broke your will or broke your heart, we all have this. We all have limiting beliefs based on our own personal disappointments. Sure. So I don't want somebody projecting that on my kids, uh, I, and I want you to affirm not what you think they should do, but what you see them already excelling at. Whether or not, like it, they can plug it into the church ministry, you know? Because I see that sometimes we're like, "Oh, you're good at sports. We can do sports ministry." Yeah, or maybe you could just be great at sports, and you can understand what it means to walk with God and to uh, share your faith, or simply let that faith shine through your actions and behavior, and and that could be ministry.
1: Right? We don't have to build a ministry around everything.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and um, yeah. I mean that that's 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 what I that's what I would want. I, and I, I guess I have more opinions about being a parent and what people do with my kids than I do, particularly about. You know, youth ministry as a concept,
1: right? No, and absolutely, and I think that's such good wisdom there because uh, you know we work with parents, and I think there's you know parents who who strongly desire their kids to be great soccer players, right? And the right. youth pastor, you know, unless that soccer practice takes place on Wednesday night, uh, we 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 want them to be great soccer players too, but like on Thursdays or, <laughs> or Fridays, right. Right. and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so as we, as we try to, you know, work with students, they're, they're in that, that total mix of, you know, sports and things and, and really uh, coming alongside of kids and affirming them. And, and to say this, youth workers, by the way, the group, you, the group you have, okay, is going to break your rules. You have rules. The youth pastor has rules of what he sees totally. youth ministry to be. Uh, and if you have kids that are breaking those rules, you need to go ahead and let the rules be broken. Because, and that's my opinion, because I've had, uh, in my uh, mindset, right, I have a way of things that I want to, things to go. Uh, but if you don't have those kinds of students to build that, whatever it is you want to build with it, you have to lean into what you do have and affirm what you do have and say, you know what? It's not really about you building your program the way you see it. It's about right. what has God given you. And uh, and it may or may not become a ministry. It may not become a – you just have kids in there. It's like, like you know, if you have – uh, kids who really like puppetry and you say, okay, well, then you that can be a segment or something. I don't maybe you can do that. I don't know how can you right you have to be able to use the what's in the house, right? You have to use what's in your house. you have to say here's the gifts, here's the talents, here's the abilities we have. Um, I'm not going to be the church down the street, I'm not going to be those guys and that we have to let the gifts and the, and the kids that God's given us allow to some degree direct, the efforts of the ministry based on their gifts and talents. You know, we're right. rather, rather than try to strangle them into the rules that we have. This is how youth meetings go. We lean into those things, and say, "Hey, you're good at that. Would you mind sharing that?" Or, um, you know, not as maybe directing a ministry, but giving kids an opportunity. I used to have a kid in my group who liked to rap, and mm-hmm. uh, and so I would tell him every week what my what my message was going to be, and I'd say, "I want you to do a, just a five minute rap before I get up there about what I'm going to talk about." And so mm-hmm. he would get up, do a little five minute rap, and he was done. And that was his part. He enjoyed it, and yeah. it was a challenge for him, and you know, got to affirm him in you know non traditional ways. You know that uh, right. uh, that maybe the church wasn't getting behind. Um, but Jeff, let me ask you if I can ask you just uh, maybe one more question. And, sure. Because I, I know you got. Places to go, things to do, artists to uh, release, uh, wherever they may be, um, and uh, and so in moving forward here and talking about this, if if I did, if I did put you in front of some teenagers, <laughs> and you start to sweat a little bit, I understand. <laughs> but if you could stand in front of those in front of those uh, teenagers, what would you say to them? What would you what would you what would you want to tell them that maybe something you heard as a young person, maybe your your youth pastor, or something that when you were a teenager that you heard that says, "Listen, here's what somebody told me, and I'm going to tell
0: you." Yeah. Well, first of all, um, uh, I I love young people. Uh, I just um, <laughs> like the last time I spoke to the youth group, it, it I was in college, you know, and I uh, just totally bombed it. Probably a conversation for another time. <laughs> Um, uh, but I was like, like I've oh, bombed, I
1: bombed for a lot for 20 <laughs> years so don't worry we're in the same boat
0: yeah but I, I mean I find that that most wisdom is simply giving advice to your younger self you know yeah. and going back to the rule thing um, you know speaking to the youth pastor listening for just a second look I'm not saying they shouldn't have rules like it's probably good rules to Say, like no making out during youth group like that's a good rule or holding um, but I think it's good like rules um For the most part, are uh, um, they are arbitrary boundaries that guide us to places of maturity, right? You know, what does Paul say? Like the law is basically a babysitter, and the the point of it is raises up in our faith so that we can walk as adults. You know, not just crave spiritual milk, but spiritual meat. And and so, rules are that, especially for you know teenagers. Uh, And so, I, I find this as a parent. Like the question is. Does this rule exist to make my life easier? Let's be honest. As parents, as uh, people that watch over young people, there's certain things rules that we have We're just like, this is easier for me, for you to go to bed at this time, yeah. for you to be quiet during this time, for you to stand in line. But I think the question is really in this line of work is – is this rule designed ultimately to lead this person to where God wants them to go, um, or is it? Am uh, I just trying to fit them into the program because it makes my Wednesday night easier because I've got right. hundred kids or ten kids, you know, and I'm just trying to keep up? Um, and I also would. I also think that um, kids don't need more rules, right? Their parents are giving them rules, their schools are giving them rules. Uh, I don't think church needs to be a rule-free place. But what if this was the one place, as you exemplified with you know that one student, Paul? Uh, what if it was the one place where I didn't get judged, where I didn't get condemned for how well I was able to conform? Uh, because I think that is, I mean, that is the hardest part about this season of life: is you don't know who you are, and there's all this pressure to be all these different things. And I mean I think the one thing that I needed to hear – I didn't grow up going to church and I was uh, very insecure. And the handful of times that I was in a church or youth group, um, you know, mostly there was, there was a, a bit of an air of judgment. It was just one more place that I felt like I was falling short. And I think uh, the – you know, one thing that every kid needs to hear is you're amazing. You are enough and uh, you don't have to fit in. You belong here, and, and we love you, and, and it's okay if you don't know who you are. Uh, we are excited to discover that with you. I mean, wouldn't it be something if the church, uh, and some churches are this way, and those of you doing that, that's great, but wouldn't it be something if the church as an entity was known as this place where you could just be who you are, especially as a young person, and, and explore uh, ultimately who you're supposed to be
1: powerful Jeff because we need to need to tell our kids more that they're amazing that what they're doing is I told my students last night you know it's okay to say you're a little broken because we're all a little broken and uh, we're all broken together and uh, you know one of the things I want one of, one of my goals at least in youth mission I, I want to give kids opportunities to live out those things that you know God's designed them to be and I, I want them to eventually say you know, somebody asked him, "Where'd you learn that?" He says, "I learned that at church. I learned that in youth group. I I learned yeah. that because my youth worker allowed me the room to be who I was supposed to be, and uh, didn't try to fit me in the in the box, and didn't try to conform me to everything else and to the rules." And he just said, "Look, let's work together to figure out how we best glorify God and 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 how we." Uh, build kingdom and how we do, you know, bigger things, you know, versus just how do we make this small little thing happen, you know, uh, based on the rules. But Jeff, thank you so much for for just being a part of the the podcast today. I know that youth workers are going to be listening to this and um, they're going to be just sitting there, you know, figuring out, you know, some things. But there's so much more they can learn uh, if they'll connect with you. And first of all, I encourage everybody. This will be in the, the show notes as well. Please go ahead and buy Jeff's book. Buy all of Jeff's books. Buy buy books he hasn't even written yet buy buy them now reserve them now because look the art of work fantastic every young person should read that because i think it goes into the depths of calling and, and starts to ask those questions and then the real artists don't don't starve book is just a it's just a mind blower that if you think you're you're built that you're in this youth ministry position and you're saying man i've got these gut feelings i've got these things that are coming out of me what does that mean? And I'm going to say, listen, that's probably, you know, God, you know, directing you into the art, into the thing you're creating to make impact, to to do the things you're supposed to do, and and you're learning that in your season of life where you're at in ministry right now. And so, I would encourage you to get that book. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, uh, Jeff, what are some other ways that people can get in contact with you because you have a, a great resources, you have classes, you have Facebook groups, you have all kinds of great stuff out there. So, where where can people get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, thanks thanks for having me, Paul. It was a fun conversation. Um, enjoyed chatting with you. Uh, you can find all all of the things about me online at my blog, which is just my last name, Goins G-O-I-N-S, Writer, W-R-I-T-E-R dot com. Goinswriter.com. Sign up for my email list, lots of free things there, especially for writers and creatives. Um, but yeah, then you can go there at Goinswriter.com.
1: Jeff, once again, thanks again for, for being on here. And uh, youth workers, uh, we'll catch you guys in the next podcast, so uh, keep your ears on. And uh, we hope that the uh, Youth Ministry Motion podcast has motivated you to go one more day, and we'll keep your youth ministry moving forward. We'll see you guys in the next show.